correctly if you are brand new with us this morning is this. It is impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And so all kinds of things in our life that begin to uh, get in the way of becoming emotionally healthy. And so the thought process is, is that we would have a connection between emotional health and what we call contemplative spirituality. And that just means spending time with God. So often we get caught up in the busyness of life and we get ahead of ourselves, we get going fast and we forget that all God wants is to spend time with his children. Even in the beginning when he was calling them out of Egypt, right? When he, when he, when he uh, decided to make them a nation, he was calling them out of Egypt. What did he say to the priests? He said, bring my people to the base of the mountain, get them as close as they can be. He knew that if they touched the mountain, that his presence would overwhelm them and that they would die, but he wanted them as close as he could possibly get them. That's all God has ever wanted in your life. We get so twisted up in the game and think that God wants all these things from us. We, we put ourselves on what we call the performance plan. And that is not what God wants. God wants you. He wants your heart. He wants your presence. So in this series, we're going to show you, hopefully, how to share in the presence of God and how to be in the presence of God. How many want to be a human doing? But how many know that we need to be human beings? We need to be for Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, turn to uh, Ephesians chapter four. Uh, General Electric Power Company. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Ephesians chapter four, verse 22. And now let me pray. Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus to come and be in this place, Lord, as we delve into your word. Let every ear who needs to hear, hear. Father, may we so understand what you're trying to communicate to us, Lord God, and it's life transformational. We ask you to be in this place in Jesus' name. Amen. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 says this. It says, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God. Righteousness. Am I, am I, am I coming in and out? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's good. We're good. All right. I think a lot of times we just get confused about who we are. How many have ever just been confused about who you are? I don't even know who I am. You know, our old self is all over the place. You know, before we, we came to Jesus, or maybe, maybe you haven't made that journey, you haven't said yes to Jesus, but the life that you've lived is kind of all over the place, and you're trying to please people over here, and trying to do right over here, and trying to do this and that, and all these different things around you, and then maybe you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and you say yes to Jesus, and then it seems like everybody gets put into the same cookie cutter, right? How many of you guys ever had that, that Play-Doh thing, that Play-Doh 
uh, you push, push it down and the Play-Doh comes out like there's a mold, right? And you push it in and the Play-Doh comes out. And the great thing about the mold is everything's the same. And so you can begin to make shapes and you can begin to build things, but that's not what God intends for the church. But we do that as the church. Oh, well, you're saved now, so you need to go through this, you need to do this, you need to, you need to say this, be this, and we'll all look the same, we'll all vote the same, right? No? We'll all be the same person, and the world will say, I want nothing to do with that. There's no diversity. And we get caught up in this, this thing that we have to be a certain type of person and do certain things. We put on masks because we don't want people to know the real us. The real us that we're trying to move away from. The real us that we're trying to die to the wrong things and, and just no shadow or, or nothing left of the former self, but God created you. He made you, he fearfully and wonderfully made you. So if God created you in the womb and he made you incredible, why would you die to all of that? Why wouldn't you just die to the things that he's saying he wants you to die to? Well, because we don't know what he wants us to die to. So we put on masks. We have expectations from other people. There's expectations from the world, our friends, our parents, our coworkers. Everybody has expectations. Everybody has this, this desire of, of what they want you to be and who you want them to be. We as parents do it with our children. And all God wants you to be is the best you you can be because he made you. But I want to be the best Charles Stanley I can be. Or I want to be the best Billy Graham I can be, or I want to be the best this or that that I can be. And as Carl so eloquently put in his last message, I've already got one of those. He wants you to be you. Shedding our old false self and discovering your new true self is one of the keys to understanding and knowing who God really is. I want to free you up this morning God wants you to discover the you that he created you to be. And he wants you to be the best you that you can be. He says, the vast majority of us will go to the grave never really knowing who we are, the life God intended, because we're too busy <clears throat> living someone else's life. Hear me. The vast majority of us, even in this room, will go to the grave never knowing who we're supposed to be and what God wants us to do because we're too busy being someone else. Or at a minimum, someone else's expectation of who we're supposed to be. Have we become the demands that life has placed on us? Sit with that for a second. Have you become the demands that your life has placed upon you. You're running around. And the only thing you have time for are the demands that life has placed on you. Are you simply a reflection of who you really long to be? 
We plug into churches, we create community, and we take the path of least resistance. How many have lived this existence? Maybe you've plugged into a church, you found out what they want you to do, and you take the path of least resistance that is the path of busyness, right? Get busy for Jesus. And so you, you begin to serve right away. You begin to figure out what it is you're supposed to do because you want the people to be pleased with you. You want the pastor to be pleased with you. You want to show them what a great servant you are. You want to show them how wonderful you can be and how great you can do things. But the problem is, is all of that is in the seeking of other people's approval. And that's not what God's called you to do. I was part of a church in Texas, and this is one of those churches that they had a, uh, a very strong men's ministry at this church. And the kind of men's ministry where um, they all wore shirts that said warrior, <sighs> right? I was joking earlier when I was trying to get the, <laughs> right? Let's just be us. And, and the pastor knew that I was uh, a pastor. We had just resigned our church plant and uh, we were trying to plug in and figure out what God wanted to do with us in uh, Frisco, Texas. We knew he hadn't called us to leave and so we were trying to plug into a church and so we're, being, we're part of this church and, and Brendan and I were just trying to be us, you know? I, I don't know if you've heard, but at Starbucks they call us Mama Bear and Papa Bear. It's just who we are, right? We just love on people and we just care about people. And the leadership of this church wanted to just cram me into this warrior mold. Even to the point where we went to a, a dinner and they sat me right next to, intentionally, the most rah-rah, sis-poom-bah, hardcore, working out, awesome man of God. And you need the favor of God in your life, brother. Right? How many of you ever met a guy like that? <laughs> We're going to march into glory. <laughs> That's just not me. Right? That's just not me. But they wanted to cram me into that mold. Can I just tell you something? We are never going to cram you into a mold here at Christian Center. I believe that we're all part of the body of Christ and every one of us is different and every one of us has a unique gifting and calling on our lives. Imagine a church where every unique gifting and calling is worked out in you for his glory and every person in this church and in this community is leading and loving under the purposes and the plans of God. How many have ever screamed that into the mirror? God, what is your plan for my life? What am I supposed to do? Who am I? What is my purpose? It's just me. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. I don't know. First Samuel, if you have your Bibles again, turn to first Samuel chapter 31 or, uh, sorry, 1731. This is the famous story, David and Goliath, but I'm going to touch on it a little differently. It says, when the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul. And he sent for him, and David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him, Goliath. 
your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, check it out, man. I've been hanging out in the desert, tending sheep, and whether there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him in his beard and struck him and killed him. For your servant has struck down both lions and bears. If you were hanging out in the wilderness and tending to sheep and you had killed multiple lions and bears, you would probably begin to have a confidence that most people wouldn't have. Even if you were this tall, I know that I can take this slingshot and put a rock in it and I can hit a fly between the eyes at 100 yards. He brought extra stones for <laughs> So he had confidence. He knew who he was. He knew who he was and he knew what he could do. Nobody was going to tell him either way. I got this. I've been prepared for this. Did you know that Moses tended sheep for his father-in-law in the very place where he would then bring back the people of Israel? He didn't even realize what his ultimate purpose was, but he just went about being him. Can we just go about being us this morning? Stop trying to fit yourself into someone else's mold. And so, so Saul said, hey, why don't you put on my armor? Because you don't want to go out there without armor. If you go out there without armor, you're going to get murdered. So put on my armor. And so David put the armor on. It was big. And he's walking around in it. And it was, it was cumbersome. And here's what he said. I cannot go with these. For I've not tested them. The scripture I put in your bulletin says, I have, I have never used these before. I, I, I don't know how to use these. I'm just going to be me. And if you don't know the end of the story, he went out, he gathered five smooth stones because Goliath had brothers. And he put one in there and Goliath uttered some things and he struck him down and he cut off his head and he won the day. Just being David. And that afternoon, he went back to tending sheep. I'm going to go tend sheep. I did my thing for the day. And everybody else was like, what is the deal with this guy? Are you kidding me? All of them were trying to be someone else. And they realized when the rubber met the road, they couldn't be someone else. They were shaking in their boots. They were quaking in fear. But David went, did his thing, and went about his business. Who am I? The real me versus who I thought I was. When I was young, I gave my life to Jesus under a ministry of a man named Mark Wilson. And Mark Wilson was one of my favorite people on the planet. He was my youth pastor. I'd never had a youth pastor before. And everything he did was perfect. It was amazing. Every word he spoke was amazing, except for when he told me that he was mad at me for dancing on Growing Pains. You heard that story last week. And I wanted to be Mark Wilson. I'm going to be Mark Wilson. And then I met a man named Greg Johnson at camp. And he was super dynamic. God, you Jesus. 
I'm going to be Greg Johnson. Yes. I'm going to reach millions of youth all over the world. And then I got baptized by a gentle, loving man named Paul Risser, who ended up being the president of our denomination. And I began to speak a little softer. I want to be Paul Risser. And then I went into ministry with a man who asked me to be his intern named Danny Doherty. And Danny was an intense little man, is. He pastors a church in San Marcos. And I was going to be just like Danny Doherty. Danny Doherty carried around a briefcase. So I started carrying around a briefcase. And I remember, I remember Ursh back here, who's now Krista May. She said, why are you carrying a briefcase? Are you trying to be like Danny? No. And then I wanted to be resolute, unbending, unyielding Kevin Dolby, who had a mission and wasn't going to let anybody get in his way. And I began to leave a bloody wake of people hurt behind me. And then I just stopped trying to become someone else. And I began to press into the presence of God. And I began to ask God, I'm sick and tired of trying to be someone else and failing at it. I'm sick and tired of trying to be something that I'm not. And I continue to fail. Lord, who am I? And he spoke to me and said, you will find out who you are in my presence. And that's the journey that I want to challenge all of you to be on. Be in the presence of God and he'll begin to reveal to you who you are. Jesus, in Matthew chapter three, turn to Matthew chapter three, we're almost done. Jesus was tempted, but before he was tempted, he was baptized. How many of you guys remember the story? Jesus was going to start his earthly ministry. He hadn't performed any miracles. He hadn't died on the cross. He hadn't put out a five-year plan, right? He didn't have a resume. He didn't, he didn't have a growth plan and an evangelism motivational uh, process that he would take people through. He hadn't read the latest books except for the Bible, right? And so here he is being baptized and confirmed, basically. And when he came out of the waters of baptism, the voice of the Lord said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He hadn't done anything except for live, be born, and prepare. So then you go over to Luke chapter 4, and he's immediately rushed out into the desert, into the wilderness for temptation. But before he went to the desert for temptation, God said, I love you. Hear me when I say that. Before he had any temptation, before he had any issues, struggles, God said, I love you and I'm well pleased with you. I love you 
and I'm well pleased with you. Jesus' self-understanding in that moment of who he was in God was the foundation for the rest of his life. Your understanding of who you are in God is the foundation for the rest of your life. But we get so twisted. Luke 4, the first temptation. Jesus is led into the wilderness to be tempted I want you to look for the parallels in your life. Temptation number one. I am what I do. He was led by the spirit to the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing for those days. And when they ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Temptation number one, I am what I do. The performance plan. If you are who you say you are, you're starving. Just perform a miracle for you right now and show everybody who you are. It makes sense, doesn't it? Wouldn't it make sense? I'm hungry. There's no food around me. I am God in the flesh. So therefore, I can do what I can do and then therefore be made into the person I am by what I do. How many of you have been tempted by that? To be on the performance plan. I am what I do. You've done nothing. You've accomplished squat. You're a loser. You're hungry. So show us what you can do to prove to everyone that you deserve to be here. How many have been in that situation before? I just got to prove myself. I just got to prove that I can do it. I got to prove that I can be the best person that I can be. And then they'll see, and then they'll approve of me, and then I'll have success, and then I'll have finances and all that other stuff that'll come. But the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added. So Jesus is like, no, that's not, I'm not gonna be tempted by what I can do. And then the temptation number two is to be tempted by what I have. And then the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you, I will give all authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. You know, the the devil had authority over all the kingdoms of the world. And it was his to give. And so the temptation, number two, was to be identified by what you have, by your possessions. Well, if I could just have that nice house, if I could just drive a decent car this time, There's nothing wrong with having a nice house. There's nothing wrong with a decent car. There's nothing wrong with good stuff. But but when you're tempted to be identified by what you have, you get out of what God wants to do for you. So look what I have. You have nothing. Why don't you long for what I have? Once you get it, you'll be in a better position and people will respect you more. Jesus So let me give you all the kingdoms of the earth and you say, yes, I'll take them. And then you're on your way. Then your ministry won't be such a struggle because you'll own all the kingdoms of the earth, Jesus. Then you can just walk in from kingdom to kingdom and say, I'm Jesus. I own the kingdoms of the earth. 
Isn't this nice? I'm going to die for you soon, so you should honor me. But Jesus was being true to himself. Temptation number three, I am what others think I am. Popularity. He took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. In their hands, they will bear up, lest they strike your foot against a stone. And so basically, the devil was saying, throw yourself off the temple and let the angels rescue you and show everybody the authority that you have. Show them how great you are. Show them that you're God. Show them, show them your popularity. Show them who you are. But Jesus walked out of the wilderness with this mentality. I have nothing. I've done nothing. Right? And I am nobody. I have nothing, I've done nothing, and I'm nobody. God will make a way where there is no way. And I will trust him. And he often went away and spent time with Jesus. I mean, spent time with the Father. And he began to understand who he was and what he would do and how it would work out. When I was in high school, actually started in junior high, I had a hard time making friends. My, my parents put me, uh, we lived in a, in a community that was predominantly Hispanic, and I was one of maybe seven uh, Caucasian children in the school, and I fought daily uh, because they would steal my milk money. How many remember putting milk money on the corner of your desk and then be replaced by a, by a quart of milk or whatever, or a little thing of milk? They would take my milk money and they would, they would beat me up and so I would get in fights. And then my parents uh, knew that wasn't gonna work so they put me in a school district that was a little, little less diverse uh, and uh, helped me to develop a little bit better. Uh, but I still had a hard time making friends. So much so that in my junior high class, there was a group of kids that formed a club called the Anti-Dolby Club. How wonderful is that? I really don't even know why. And so this went into high school, and, and, and I remember being in high school as a freshman, and I had two guys that I had gleaned to, and I wanted to be friends with them. And, you know, you, you ever try to connect with a couple of people, and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll let you hang out with us. But you know they really don't want you to hang out with them, right? And, and, and they were kind of hoping that there was this other group that would come along and take them to be a part of their group. And then probably about a month into school that happened. And those guys like, hey, come hang out with us. And so, so I just kind of tagged along, right? So now the three of us were in this group of like 15 or 20. And, and I'm not saying this so you feel sorry for me. I'm, I'm trying to say this so you can understand the process that I've been in. That, that afternoon at lunchtime, the representative of the group came to me and said, hey, all of us here, we, we kind of took a vote. Uh, none of us want you to hang out with us. So you're gonna have to find another group of friends. And so I hung my head and I walked away <laughs> from that group, devastated, not knowing who I was and what I, what I would do and who I would be. And I was confused and frustrated and vulnerable and open for attack. 
and I, and I met somebody, and we started hanging out, and I went to church, and went to youth group, and the rest is this long story, but I want to read this quote. Living your God-given life involves remaining faithful to your true self. How many have ever been challenged to keep the peace when you knew that peace wasn't possible? Just this week, somebody said to me, couldn't you just for peace sake, just overlook that? And with all the love I could muster, I said, no. God's called me to be a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. He's called you to be a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. Sometimes you're going to have to disrupt false peace in order to be true to yourself, to find real peace. How many know the false peace I'm talking about? Just go with the flow. Ah, it's okay. Just deal with it. Just keep your mouth shut. Living for God, living your God-given life involves remaining faithful to your true self. It entails distinguishing your true self from the demands and voices around you and discerning the unique vision, calling, and mission the Father has given you. It requires listening to God from within yourself and understanding how he has uniquely made you. Knowing your personality, your temperament, your likes, your dislikes, your thoughts and feelings, they all contribute to this discovery. But we're supposed to put all that off. We're supposed to put all the old stuff off. God made you for a reason. Jesus was true to himself and he knew who he was to the Father. He was loved. And everything else followed. And so because he had the foundation and the knowledge that he was loved by God, everything else was just simply figuring it out as God revealed it to him. Are you true to yourself? Are you who you're supposed to be? Or are you someone else? Are you wearing a mask? Is who you are birthed out of the knowledge of how God sees you? When you're true to yourself, people might not like it. But are you going to be true to yourself? There's a plan that God has for you, and it requires you be true to yourself. Know yourself that you may know God. Jesus' close relationship with the Father, his contemplative spirituality, his close relationship, understood, allowed him to understand the Father's will. Jesus modeled this process so we could discover who we are and what our purpose is. Here's the finality. Jesus knew spending time with the Father was the key to understanding what his life would be. So numerous times he drew away and spent time with God. And in that time with God, he heard from God and God began to speak clearly to him. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus, before his crucifixion, went into the garden with this on his mind. I really don't want to do this. Hear me. This is what he said. I really don't want to do this. So if there's any other way to do it, reveal it to me now. But if there's not, I'll do it. How many have ever felt like that? 
or we just ignore and we don't spend time with God and we just say, flip a coin. I don't know. We'll see what happens. And we go down life's roads. We make huge decisions based upon what feels good, based upon what feels right, based upon what, whatever circumstances are, are, are for us in the moment. We, we go through life looking for happiness, but happiness comes from happenstance and happenstance is just the things that randomly happen to us. And, and, and God is like, if you just spend time with me and connect with me, I will reveal my will for your life. So the understanding today is this. If you want to know who you really are, get with the one who made you. Spend time in silence before the Lord. Hear his voice. But I don't know how to do that. It starts with you shutting your mouth. But pastor, it's so contrary to everything else we've heard. Don't you want me to get in there and start doing a bunch of stuff? No. How many know God will create programs here at church? God will meet all our needs. God will create community. All these things will happen. What I want is for you to do the model that Jesus showed us. Spend time with Jesus. Spend time with him. Get to know him and understand your true self. That's what it's about. Find time. If you don't know my day, five minutes, three minutes, two minutes, one minute. Well, I'll pray in the shower <laughs> or I'll, I'll pray in the car. Do nothing. Pull away. Find that time. I promise you, God will meet you. As a matter of fact, he's waiting there for you right now. He's waiting there for you right now. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus and you're like, I, I don't really understand, but I, I know that the Holy Spirit or something is saying to me, I want to know this God. It's this simple. All you have to do is say yes. God says, come to me. Come to me. And, and maybe you come with your, your head down and you're like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what this looks like. I don't know what this is about, but... I'm going to walk in faith to you. And Jesus would touch your face and say, look at me. I love you and I am well pleased with you right where you are. But all that I've done, I am well pleased with who you are right where you are. Let's have a relationship. It's as simple as that. Who else in this world would do that? Who else in this world would, nobody would do that. They would say, what do you have to offer? You don't look right. You don't act right. You're weird. You're funny looking. You, you talk too much. You talk too loud. I don't want to be your friend. Jesus says, it doesn't matter who you are. I love you right where you are. Let's start a relationship. So if that's you, if you've never started a relationship with Jesus, I want to just ask you this this morning. Just say yes. And what we're going to do is we're gonna, on the count of three, we're just gonna say yes, amen? We're gonna say yes. Here we go, one, don't get left out. Don't get left out, because Jesus is just looking for you to say yes. 
Everything else will take care of itself down the road. He wants this commitment too. Don't be afraid. Don't be fearful of what the person next to you might say or think. God is for you. Who can be against you? Amen? And so I'm getting ready to say the number. And when I say it, we're going to say yes if we want a relationship with Jesus. Three. Yes. yes. Amen. <laughs> Father, you've heard every heart in this room. You've heard the yeses. Lord, may we start here. May we get outside of what the world thinks about us. May we escape all of the pressures, all of the, the, the guilt and the, the fear and all the different things that are coming against us, Lord. May we just simply sit at your feet and begin to develop a relationship with you. That's what it's about. And as we do that, Lord, we'll discover our true purpose. We'll discover who we really are. We'll discover what you want for us and who you want us to be with and all the other things, Lord. We'll seek you first and everything will be added unto us. But it starts with a decision today to say yes. And Lord, we say yes. Lord, every heart that said yes for the first time, there's a party raging in heaven for them. And we believe that in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. Matter of fact, put your hands up. You're under Holy Spirit house arrest. Amen. If God is for you, who can be against you? I want you to receive this blessing. If God is on your side, say it. Whom shall you fear? May you be like a tree that's planted by rivers of living water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf will not wither. Say it if you know it. Everything you do, it shall prosper. God bless you guys. Have the best week ever. Make sure you tell us if you said yes and put that in the prayer box.